All right, all right. Well, good morning, everyone. It is good to be together this morning. I am glad that we are here. Um, uh, a little less sleep, that's okay. It's good to be together this morning. Jesus is good this morning, and I'm excited for John chapter 10 and what we're on to today. So um, when I was a kid, I grew up in the Tri-Cities a lot of my life, in Portland a couple years, um, and so I was kind of a city kid, but we had great-grandparents that lived in Oklahoma and in Texas. And so on average every other year, sometimes every summer, uh, we'd go down to Oklahoma and Texas and we'd spend time uh, on the farms, big properties out there in rural Oklahoma and Texas. And uh, there was quite a learning curve. Like we were just left to run and do our thing and explore the properties. And we learned a lot while we were there in Oklahoma and Texas. Like we learned what electric fences do (laughs) and uh, had fun with those, right? Uh, We found an old barn with a rope tied to the rafters and this big um, haystack on the other side. And and I, I... figured out what a haystack, have you heard that expression, like a needle in a haystack? That would be really hard to find, I discovered. That made more sense, right? And one day we were out in one of the pastures and we saw a horse. And we know horses, they're nice creatures, right? People get on their backs and ride on them. We knew that much about horses, so they must be friendly. Well, apparently we don't know how to approach or uh, or hang out around horses uh, because this thing got mad and kicked at my brother and missed his head by like a foot. And it was like all every man for himself, man, just scatter out of that pasture. We learned a lot in Oklahoma, and Jesus today is going to talk about this. He's going to um, draw this metaphor for us about sheep and their shepherd. In fact, we're in the middle of an I Am series in which Jesus is making these statements about his identity, all of them hearkening back to Old Testament, to the nature of God. He is describing himself as the Messiah. Back in Exodus, uh, Moses asked God, so when I go into Egypt to free your people, they're going to ask who sent me, what do I say? And God says, tell them I am sent you. I am who I am, and it's this broad, vast category and understanding in which we might understand God, and then Jesus comes to earth, and he begins to hone, on, hone in on this idea of I am. So he says, I am the bread of life, right? I am the good shepherd is what we'll look at today. It's in John chapter 10. Turn there if you'd like. We'll have it on the screen as well. Very truly, I tell you, Pharisees, Jesus is speaking to Pharisees as we begin, and the Pharisees were the religious rulers of the day and in opposition to Jesus, uh, fearful of the power that they had, um, uh, fear, fearful of losing their authority and their privileges. They are uh, waging war against Jesus. Uh, they try to discredit him and disprove him and eventually um, participate in having him crucified. So Jesus is speaking to these Pharisees. He says, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them and his sheep follow him. 
because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. Now, Jesus is going to go on to explain this parable in more detail in a few minutes, and he'll say, I am um, the good shepherd. But he's speaking to a group of Pharisees uh, and trying to describe a spiritual reality, trying to describe something to them about his own identity, who he is in relation to God and in relation to people around him. So he uses this illustration of sheep and a shepherd. He says, the shepherd will call their name and the sheep will come to him. Now this is really interesting to me because when I think about shepherds or herding uh, any animals, I think about dogs, right? Often today, um, people, at least in Western culture, will use dogs. And what do the dogs do? They run and they corral these animals, barking and nipping at their heels if they're out of line, and they chase these animals in the direction they want to go. That's interesting because what Jesus describes in this text is very different than that. You see, in um, ancient Israel, or a couple thousand years ago in Israel, Um, it worked very differently. Uh, A shepherd cared deeply for their sheep, and they would uh, know the sheep by name, and the sheep would recognize their name, or recognize their voice. I understand that still today in the Middle East, um, shepherds heard in this way, and uh, their sheep recognize their voice. In fact, I've heard that there's exhibitions or competitions where the sheep will be all corralled in a center space and the shepherds spaced out around them. Um, And and it will demonstrate the way the sheep uh, of many different flocks will hear their master's voice and go to them. Uh, which, Which group of sheep will come to their master the quickest? And so Jesus is drawing on this illustration that was quite familiar to them, uh, somewhat unfamiliar to many of us in our culture. But he says that the sheep know his voice and they will follow him. I love this contrast of like the things nipping at our heels and barking in our lives, chasing us in certain directions. Uh, How often do we live out of expediency? Like these are the things that have to get done instead of intentionality. And I think there's a similar parallel here in our spiritual walks as we consider uh, like what's, what's driving me? Am I being driven by fear? Am I being driven by pressures of people around me? Or in this case, as Jesus begins to describe this parable, uh, he says, listen for my voice and follow. I like that. Like, I want to know more of that in life. Rather than being fear and guilt-driven and all the things that push us from behind, Jesus says, they'll hear my voice and they'll come to me and they'll follow now, before we go on um, in, in just a moment here, I, I want to talk a little bit about this idea of sheep, uh, because Jesus is going to describe his followers as sheep, and sometimes uh, that might seem a little condescending, right? In, anyone feel slightly offended by being considered a sheep? It would be okay if we had that reaction. I've heard people talk about that very thing, uh, that it's, it's just not a good metaphor, because who wants to be called a sheep? Um, in, in most, in many of our lives, uh, like William Henley says in uh, a poem, uh, we want to, he says, I am the master of my fate, I am the captain of my soul. 
right? Quite often, we want to live life in those terms. I am in control, and I've got this. And when Jesus called me a sheep, I got a little offended because that doesn't sound much like the master of my own soul, right? Uh, But I think in some of our most vulnerable moments, uh, we're able to recognize a need for something more, right? Sometimes we find ourselves, uh, you know, looking up uh, to celebrities and wealthy people and being like, man, if I had all that, how amazing would life be? And yet you look at the depression and addiction and suicide rates and you realize that things will not bring us ultimate contentment. And so uh, Jesus calls us sheeps, and we feel a little bit vulnerable in that, but maybe we recognize that in humanity, there is a need for something more than just climbing the corporate ladder, just gaining more for myself. In fact, we sang about it today. Thank you, Chris and AJ and Justin. Um, that song, uh, Son of David. It's a blind man sitting at a gate. Yeah, the song begins, and this is one of my favorite songs. I didn't know it until a few years ago as we begin, and Chris introduced me to the song. Um, it's a blind man sitting at the gate, and it's a story told in the Gospels, and he cries out to Jesus, and people are like, be quiet, you know. People are like, let's keep going, forget that. Uh, and Jesus hears his voice, and he goes to him, and he heals this man. But what I love about the song, and what, what brings me to tears in this song, is the shift in the story where we realize, in a spiritual sense, we are that blind person. And we are invited to call out to the Son of David, have mercy on me, and in that, find our vision, find our healing. And I think that's the story here that he's portraying. He says, you're people in need. That is the gospel message. Whereas we want to be the master of our own fate and destiny, that's not the gospel narrative. It is one of a Savior who loves deeply, draws near to his people, that they may receive sight, that they may have new hope and new life. That's a story. So today, we're sheep, okay? Can we roll with that? Today, Jesus says, we're going to be the sheep. He's going to be the shepherd in this context. Uh, Chapter 10, verse 7 of John. Therefore, Jesus said again, very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and to kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Now, Jesus begins to draw a parallel here uh, between uh, both false prophets that have come before him and Pharisees, right? These, these religious leaders of the day. He says, those that have come before me, they are thieves and robbers. They don't come for good purposes. I think it applies to us today as well, though. I think there is a um, real challenge uh, to both uh, pastors and churches in the ways we engage. Because Jesus draws a a contrast here, uh, points out a contrast for us that says uh, there are things that could be happening in this realm that are incredibly harmful to people. that people might be being robbed of something, uh, that, that thieves are coming and stealing something away. And he's accusing the Pharisees of that. And I wonder if we in Christendom uh, might 
ought to turn our gaze inward enough to say, are we representing the full life that Jesus is offering people? Or do we find ourselves sometimes more in the category of the Pharisees? And so for those of us that have been hurt by the church or people in the church, I want to draw on this story of Jesus to say he's a good shepherd. He invites people, did you see that last part there? I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. Life abundant is the way it's translated in other texts. And here it says, um, have, uh, have it to the full, have life to the full. And I wonder what that abundant life is that Jesus is inviting us into. Well, if it's not the material things that the most wealthy have, if that doesn't always bring happiness and satisfaction, what does this abundant life look like? As we read on, I think we'll see more of that. But I know that an abundant life involves something more than just the physical, that Jesus offers us uh, a spiritual well-being, a calmness, a peace in our, in our spirit uh, that the Holy Spirit brings into our lives that brings this abundant life. Now, Jesus contrasts um, the, the Pharisees' way, uh, thieving and robbing people, uh, to his way, bringing abundant life. I think he's calling back uh, on their memory. In Israel, they would have been, and particularly the Pharisees, they would have been very familiar with the Old Testament texts and the prophecies. Ezekiel 34 says this, and I don't think I remember to bring it in, so if you have a Bible, use it. Otherwise, just listen. Ezekiel 34 says this, The word of the Lord came to me. And Ezekiel is a prophet, by the way, calling out Israel, saying there are problems here. Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Woe to you, shepherds of Israel, who only take care of yourselves. Should not shepherds take care of the flock? You eat the curds, clothe yourselves with the wool, and slaughter the choice animals, but you do not take care of the flock. You have not strengthened the weak, or healed the sick, or bound the injured. You have not brought back the strays, or searched for the lost. You have ruled them harshly and brutally. Right? Jesus is saying, this is what you Pharisees are doing to people in this text. But he says, my purpose is quite different. As a shepherd, I come to bring life, to bring abundant life. Verse 11 of John chapter 10, he gets to the statement, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees a wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and he runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flocks, flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. Do you hear his accusation towards the Pharisees there? Right? Uh, you run from the problems and the challenges. You have very little concern for the people themselves. Uh, also on the farm, remember I was telling about the horse and the electric fences and all. Um, I don't think it was immediately after my brother almost got kicked in the head by a horse, but uh, we found another group of animals. And... Um, uh, they were chickens, and chickens seem like pretty docile, normal animals, right? 
And so in our continued curiosity, having not learned our lesson from our good friend, the horse, um, we got into the chicken pen and uh, started approaching these cute little animals. Um, And I wish everyone in life could have the experience that I had as I watched my brother chased by a rabid herd of chickens. Now, I know chickens don't run in a herd. I know that's not a real thing. And they probably weren't rabid, but I think this story is a little more colorful uh, if I tell it that way. But, I mean, he was running, screaming, terrified, being chased by these little animals that we didn't get to see if they hurt him. He jumped the fence, and he was safe. Um, You see, he didn't have a purpose in being in that place, right? And Jesus is saying here in this section, he's saying, the hired hand, the guy that doesn't care for the sheep, if trouble comes, he will run like my brother from chickens. That's what Jesus is saying here. He says, he'll just take off. He's got no stake in this game. He doesn't have to be in this place and and stay there. And so he will run away. But I am the good shepherd, Jesus says. And the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Now, in first century Israel, um, a shepherd, uh, if they're out in a remote area where they don't have the gate and the gatekeeper for many herds of sheep, um, they would have uh, structures set up, wooden structures uh, where they could corral their sheep. And often the shepherd would quite literally lay in the gate way in in the doorway there he would operate as the gate that the sheep would stay in and that should any predator come uh he would be there to meet the uh to meet the threat so jesus is calling on that but of course uh many of us know that as jesus story goes on it takes on a much richer meaning as he lays down his life for humanity as he is willing to sacrifice his life on a cross for all of humanity. Jesus is saying, as the good shepherd, I would give my life for you. Verse 14, I am the good shepherd. Again, he says, I know my sheep, and my sheep know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. And I lay my life down for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not in this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. Uh, No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my father though I stumbled somewhere in there. Uh, it's a beautiful text. As Jesus says, I know my sheep and they know me. Uh, but notice he defines the sheep not just as the people of Israel. Remember, Jesus is speaking to an entirely Israelite uh, audience here. And he, he's letting them know that soon to come, and uh, soon to come, this story of hope, this gospel, this good news will be opened up to an entirely new people. And you and I are the recipients of that today. We are very grateful that Jesus uh, says, hey, there's a lot more that will hear my voice and will follow me. And he said there in the beginning, I know my sheep and they know me. And I just want us to ponder a moment his words. Jesus knows me. Jesus knows you. 
And, and, and what's beautiful about the, the way he describes relationship with his sheep, those that follow him, is that it's not like you go to a party and you recognize a name or recognize a face and you're like, oh, what's that guy's name? Oh, yeah, that's so-and-so. Jesus describes an intimate and loving relationship in which he would, in fact, he did, give his life for me. He would and he did give his life for you. And I want you to hear that personally. Because this is how Jesus describes a good shepherd. This is how he describes himself as the one that knows you and cares deeply for you individually. You know, we live in a world and a culture of increased depression and isolation, right? Even the way we engage in relationships has become uh, digitalized and, and distant many times in our life. And I want us to hear this message. I want to take in this idea today that Jesus knows and loves you. You personally. And for those of us that have begun to listen to his voice, uh, it is my prayer for us that we learn to hear more clearly, that we learn to distinguish his voice from the things that the world around us will often be pushing into our lives, uh, that we learn to distinguish his voice from our own desires and will, and that we begin to hear from him what it looks like to follow in his ways, to live in his ways. So, what type of shepherd is Jesus as we zoom out and look at the text that we've been in today? He's the type that will lay his life down for you and for me. Jesus is uh, the type of shepherd that knows us intimately, knows us by name. And he's the type of shepherd that invites us to know him and follow him as well. There's this uh, parable elsewhere in the Gospels. It's called the parable of the lost sheep. And it tells the story of a shepherd who cares so deeply about his sheep that uh, of, the, of the 100 sheep, one has gone astray. And so he leaves the 99 in a safe place, and he goes in pursuit of that one sheep. And if you're not yet a follower of Jesus today, I love that you're here and considering who Jesus is. Um, but I want you to know this. I think you're here because Jesus has been pursuing you. That you are not only known and loved, but Jesus cares deeply about you and is moving towards you, that you can know and love him as well. And if you are a follower of Jesus today, uh, I want you to know that Jesus loves you deeply, and he is concerned about the people around us and in our lives. May we be the hands and feet of Jesus, bringing love and abundant life as he pursues people around us. So that is the type of shepherd that Jesus is. Uh, but in all of these I am statements, we learned today that Jesus, uh, Jesus' identity, what he claims of himself is I am the good shepherd. And I think it's a great question for us to turn back on ourselves and say, so who am I in light of Jesus' claim? If Jesus is a good shepherd, well then who am I? Well, I am known. I am one who follows Jesus. And I am one who's learning to increase in my trust for him. As a sheep, I recognize my own weakness, I recognize my own frailty, and I learn to follow the voice of Jesus. I learn to trust in him and his ways. 
As we close out, I'm going to read Psalm chapter 23. And this psalm was written by a man named David. Um, and David was a shepherd by trade. He became the king of Israel. He was a pretty good shepherd as well, both in, uh, with his sheep and in the way he ruled in Israel. He's called the man after God's own heart. And um, David writes this psalm about uh, his relationship to God. And as I read it, let it just kind of be a prayer. We'll, we will close out with a prayer after this. But um, listen to it as kind of a prayer to our Heavenly Father, placing ourselves in his hands. The Lord is my shepherd, and I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refines, he refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the desert valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord. Jesus, we thank you. God, we thank you. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you are our shepherd, that uh, we do not lack that you bring us uh, the things that we need. Father, that you are near to us and have given us abundant life. Thank you for the way that you lead us. Teach us to follow well. Father, teach us to hear your voice and to follow. Father, in difficult seasons of life, in the dark valleys of life, Give us courage instead of fear as we walk behind you listening to your voice. Thank you, Father, that you have invited us to dwell with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, friends, thank you for joining us today. As we leave and engage the week that is to come, may we be those that hear and follow the voice of Jesus. Blessings. Blessings.